It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Well, have you checked for permanent wounds from the election? (laughs) Oh, man. Ouch. One of the worst things to pass, not the worst thing to pass, but one of the worst things to pass, that that, uh, the worst award goes to California Prop 1, which I'll take up in a future episode and talked about last week. But the worst this week is the Oregon anti-gun measure, Measure 114, which is, according to one of my guests today, the worst piece of gun legislation to pass in the past five years. And a direct middle finger to the U.S. Supreme Court, your civil rights and the latest Bruin decision affirming your rights to carry a weapon, i.e. a God-given right to defend yourself by bearing arms. I mentioned one time that the National Rifle Association was the oldest civil rights organization in the country. And I was uh, over at uh, a national news outlet, you might know, and was one of the talking heads that week, uh, which I did often. And the anchorman took a beat to think about that. Like, wait, 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 the NRA is the oldest civil rights organization of the country? And I said, hey, it's one of the Bill of Rights. It's the second of the Bill of Rights. God-given Bill of Rights, the right to bear arms. And he said, oh, yes, of course. And I'm sure it changed his perspective as well. But he points up what people, I think, have a problem with. They don't understand. They don't really consider the Second Amendment as being equal to any of the other amendments, rights to fair and speedy trial or right to free speech and all of the rest. But they are. And the old saw is that you don't have a First Amendment without the Second Amendment. And it's becoming more and more clear to more and more people that this is so. And some people believe that if you do believe in a Second Amendment right, there's just something wrong with you. You're just sort of out of it. You're some Neanderthalic weirdo. And of course, there isn't anything wrong with you. There's something wrong with your understanding of how our country works. That's it. So my guests today are Kevin Sterrett of the Oregon Firearms Federation. That is the premier gun rights group in Oregon. Um, and that's OregonFirearms.org. And William Kirk of Washington Gun Law. So we're on the West Coast, West Coast. We're in the PNW talking about guns because that's where this is happening. And all the people who come up with these cockamamie ideas, they all talk to each other. They're all part of the same tribe. And they want to take your guns from you, wherever you live. And all of the worst ideas on the in the country always come from the West Coast, West Coast, or something from Davos, one of those places. Anyway, so Bill Kirk of Washington Gun Law is an attorney. He has seen the woke mob try everything. Yeah, well, let's start with Kevin Starrett, who is with the Oregon Firearms Federation. And he'll give us the overview of the awful Oregon elections in general and this awful Measure 114. Kevin Starrett is the leader of Oregon Firearms Federation, the sole biggest dog in the gun battle in the state of Oregon and uh, the most serious about it. Second Amendment groups um, come to him looking for leadership. And Kevin Starrett, Measure 114 passed, something that is patently illegal, patently unconstitutional, not just for the U.S. Constitution, but as I understand it, Oregon's Constitution as well. Uh, how Just how bad is this bill? Well, it's been commonly called the most extreme measure in the country. It's impossible to comply with. It will cost, it will close down hundreds of small businesses, you know, people who put their entire life into creating a small business. It will create a published list of people who are attempting to get permits simply to purchase a firearm along with all their personal information. It will make the possession of commonly owned firearms magazines uh, punishable by about a year in jail. 
it will require that you take a class that nobody gives and sit down with a police officer who is free to do any investigation he wants into your life. If you get the permit, which at this point would not be possible, it does not allow you to buy a gun. It just allows you to ask for permission to buy a gun from the state police who would have already would have been required to conduct a background check just to get the permit. So you would need an Oregon, an Oregon State Police background check to get the permit. Then if you got the permit, you would need an Oregon State Police background check to get the gun. And I should tell you that as of right now, when this, this permitting system is not in place, just people who are attempting to purchase firearms now, there are over 12,000 people in line waiting for the state police to start their background checks. Oh, already? Right now, right today. And they have been slow rolling those permissions for years. Well, in many cases, in some people's cases, the, the background check is, is completed immediately. In many cases, it, it means it can take, it's taken some people two years in spite of the fact that it's supposed to be instant. So what they've done is quite obviously they've used this as a tool of the politicians. And now they, they're expecting, since they're expecting to the measure to be, to be, to, to pass, which technically it hasn't because we're still counting votes here because we have this advanced voting system, which means we don't know who won anything until weeks after everybody else does. Sure. <laughs> Once it's in place, then nobody gets anything. So I'm quite confident that the Oregon State Police under the direction of Kate Brown have been told, slow walk whatever you can. I did speak to a dealer earlier who does quite a bit of business. He's a larger dealer. Half of his transactions are not going through. And typically, I mean, legally, what's supposed to happen is when you contact the state police with a background check request, they're supposed to either approve it, deny it, or put it in a delay status saying that, well, we need more time. Now what they're doing is nothing. They're not putting it into any status. If you're officially delayed, both federal and state law allows you to take possession of the firearm after three business days have transpired. Now, the reality is very few dealers will ever do that because they're terrified of attacks from the state police and the ATF and the you know possible litigation. But it is technically lawful. Of course, this measure will eliminate that safeguard. But before that three-day window can open, you have to actually be delayed. And now they're not even delaying anybody. They're just saying, all right, maybe in two weeks we'll begin your background check. And interestingly, that is, that's illegal, period. Sure. State law requires them to respond with one of those three options, proceed, de deny or delay within 30 minutes. Not, we're not telling you anything for two weeks. So obviously the longer they delay this, the greater chances that the, the measure will take effect and then they don't have to do anything. Let's get to the legal ramifications later in just a second. I just want to go through a few things that the left has been saying about Oregon Measure 114. And I went to the handy dandy website by the Yes on 14 folks, and they say that what will it do? Well, they say it will require a permit to purchase a firearm. What's wrong with that? There's a million different answers. I mean, I could give you the constitutional problem or the philosophical problem or the practical problem. But first, what's wrong with it, obviously, is how do you justify asking permission to exercise a right? You know, do I have to, do I have to sit down with a police officer before I'm allowed to vote, before I'm allowed to go to the church of my choice or read a Bible or to speak freely? So as soon as you require a permission slip from the police, it ceases to be a right. So that's, that's the philosophical and the constitutional issue. Beyond that are all the practical ramifications. You know, there are other states that have permits to purchase firearms, although it's very possible that many of those will be struck down eventually. But none of them, are, none of them require what this requires, which is not only the personal interview by the police, but taking a class that involves live fire of a firearm when those classes simply do not exist, because the only people who are allowed to give them are either the police or people who are authorized by the police. And because they require not only that the, the instructor teach about suicide, but also about state and federal law. And on top of that, 
there's a requirement that there be live fire. Now, the facilities for live fire simply do not exist. All of the police within 40 miles of where I live train at my personal, you know, the the gun club of which I am a member because they don't have any facilities. There just isn't. Those facilities don't exist. On top of that, if the law says, well, you need to fire a gun, they just say any firearm. So if I if I take if I get this permit, do I fire a shotgun to buy to buy a pistol? And, and how are these things actually done? So there's nobody who's teaching it. The police have made it clear they don't have the facilities. And then once you get past that, once you get past the class, which doesn't exist, now you have to sit down with the police who may or may not like you, may or may not agree with your politics or your philosophy. And one of the reasons that the Oregon Democratic Party and the Multnomah County Democratic Party, which was Multnomah County is Portland, both refused to endorse the measure was because they said, we don't want to compel minority community members who have don't have a good relationship with the police to sit down with a cop and be grilled and have the cop decide, well, I don't like your psychological state of something, of course, which they're not qualified to do. And so the sheriffs, at least in the state, have really come out strongly against it. And some have said that. And of course, in addition to that, there's a ban on magazines, right. which will you know put people in jail for a year. And many sheriffs have said, well, I'm not enforcing that. I mean, the fact is, is that under this measure, since there's no exemption for the police, once they're off duty, if a cop finishes his shift and then goes home with the magazine that was issued by his department, he can go to jail for a year. And they essentially banned all shotguns, which means that the youth shooting competitions and programs that are very popular in the state and certainly very popular at my gun club just come to a screeching halt because it will it will be illegal to buy most shotguns. So the, the, <laughs> what's wrong with the – yeah, I mean what's wrong with the, with the permitting system is it can't be done. And so – you know, the question now is if we go to court to try to question the constitutionality of a permit and the courts say, well, there's other states that have permits, then can we get a judge who recognizes that it's absurd to enforce a requirement that cannot be complied with? Mm-hmm. And none of the systems that would be required to conduct the background, because I mean, remember, now it's not just a sheriff who's involved, but you would either have to go to a sheriff or your local cops. In Oregon, as you well know, there are many small towns that have two or three cops. They don't have the manpower, the facilities, the means. They have n- no way to do this. And so if, if I'm forced to get a permit, but there is no requirement that the police sit down and issue the permit in any given time frame. It's like, oh, so currently now, you need a permit to get a concealed handgun license here to carry a gun. And the law says that once you've applied for it, the, the sheriff only has 45 days to issue it or deny you. But the law doesn't say how long he can take to allow you to apply. So if, the, if, if you say, if Victoria says, I'd like to apply in Washington County to get a permit, and the sheriff says, okay, this is November. You can come in and apply next August. That's perfectly legal. And so the same thing would apply if you have sheriffs or smaller departments or even larger departments like the Portland police, which, believe me, have their hands full. And it basically said, we ain't doing anything. We're not responding to violent crimes. You are on your own. If they simply say, well, we don't have any appointments, you know, for your, you know, your personal meeting with the cop, yeah, come back in three years. And then that would require a background check by the state police, which could literally take forever. Mm-hmm. And if that is overcome, the background check that you would have to undergo when you actually attempted to purchase the gun could literally take forever again. So for someone like this me- This is not done in good faith, is what you're saying. Well, of course it isn't. And the people who promoted this measure are demonstrably provable pathological liars, as are some of the people who supported it, like the district attorney of Deschutes County, who oh. repeatedly, you know, and you, these all of these interviews are, are online, people could see them on our website, repeatedly said things that were flat out lies. These people are provable liars. And what's really sad, obviously, is that half the voters in this state chose to use their power under 
mob rule to take away the rights of the other half and crush hundreds, maybe thousands of small businesses, all in the name of Christianity and religion. Because remember, it was people of faith who promoted this. And every one of these people is really virtually satanic. There's not a Christian among them, but they parade around in their vestments and say how we're going to help people by crushing mom and pop shops who poured their whole family resources into a, a tiny business with tiny margins just because they could. Uh, don't, don't tell me who the leader among them was the Black Lives Matter guy who uh, has been uh, uh, Augusta. What is it? Augustan Church or whatever. Yeah. Mark yeah. Knudsen. Yeah, Mark Knudsen, who went to college with my sister. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mark is Mark is a truly evil person who is is absolutely a liar. He's he's a bigot of, of, of the worst caliber and. Uh, you know, more than willing to crush people. And now, and now that it's passed, of course, the cartel media all endorsed it. Uh, it's, it's comical yeah. to see the I Oregonian. I the Oregonian endorse it. What the hell? Well, well of course they endorsed <laughs> it because the Oregonian is, is, a, is a far left agitprop rag. Now. And they endorsed it. And now, now they did a lengthy story basically saying, man, this thing's a mess. No one knows how to enforce it. No one knows how to implement it. It's colossal garbage. And even the people who drafted it said, well, yeah, there's some problems with it, but that's all going to be fixed by the legislature. And don't worry about it being handled <laughs> equitably because we're going to form a committee to make sure that happens, except there's nothing in the measure that allows them to form a committee. There's nothing in the measure that allows that says the police have to clean it up or the legislature has to clean it up. There's not a word in the measure about that. And so there's no funding all, in the measure. Well, there's zero funding. There's, there's, look, I mean, keep in mind, Victoria, this is a state that just passed by ballot measure, manned universal free health care with zero funding mechanism. And the people who, who passed it out of the legislature to legislature to the voters said, we don't know who's going to pay for it. But according to Elizabeth Steiner Hayward, who is a senator who mm. pushed it, quote, there's a lot of money sloshing around in the system. So essentially, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the typical liberal thing where they, they, they come along and they hurl, you know, their poop against the wall and say, you come and clean it up. It's the monkeys and the feces. You know, we just passed <laughs> another measure to not only are we going to have universal free health care, so welcome to Oregon, you know, all you terminally ill junkies and people seeking free sex change operations. But in addition to that, we passed a measure to ban slavery, which is very timely, you know. But now, now given that <laughs> no one can afford health care anymore, it's going to be very hard on the slaveholders. But as absurd <laughs> as the whole slavery issue is, of course, of course, we don't want to have slavery in this state. But if people had bothered to read the measure... What they find out is that it also essentially bans prison work. No, nobody yes. in prison will be allowed will, will be able to be part of any work party or do anything because that's indentured servitude. Right. So people who probably thought, "Damn, I want to get out of my cell and get in a machine shop, or even get outside and do cleanup on a highway instead of being in this stupid jail," that will be illegal, and it made it harder to put people in jail. So all of these measures passed, and now you see, you know. All the people who – I mean, I can't tell you how many emails I got from people saying, um, how do I vote no on this? Like they don't even know how to vote. Or people who are like, um, I, didn't, I didn't pay attention to the news. I didn't know anything about this ballot measure. This is terrible. Well, yeah, it, it is terrible. But you do have a lot of disconnected people. And then you have people who see measures that say, oh, free health care? I'm in. Well, yes, and now your your income tax will triple. We already have a completely destroyed healthcare system in this state mm -hmm. because because when COVID came along, we shut down all the small hospitals and we fired all the nurses. And people who are doctors are dying to get out of here because of the tax burden. And so we've crushed the healthcare system, and now what we're going to do is bring in hundreds of thousands of people who will just come here with the expectation that everything be free. And of course, nothing's free. So now we have reduced our healthcare system to something a few steps below Botswana. And this is all done in the name of equity. Well, this is a great idea. Free stuff. I love it. Yeah. 
Well, you know, P.J. O'Rourke had that wonderful comment uh, that he made uh, many years ago. If you think health care is expensive now, just wait until it's free. And he was right. God bless his soul. I preferred his quote that said the Democrats think that government is the answer to everything. And then the Republicans get elected and prove it. <laughs> and the, the, Republic, the Republicans the Republicans say government is the, is the answer to nothing and then get elected and prove it. And that's exactly true. I mean, look, here in Oregon... We have a ballot measure that said it is now illegal for legislators to walk out and deny quorum. Now, Oregon is controlled completely by left-wing Democrats. The only tool that Republicans had in the legislature was to walk out and deny quorum. And they did it one year and were very successful and controlled the agenda. Then when those leaders left and the new collection of spineless sycophants came in, they refused to walk out and they got crushed. And then they said, well, we are afraid of walking out because if we walk out, the people will be mad and they'll pass a ballot measure that says we can't walk out. Well, they didn't walk out and they passed a ballot measure that said you can't walk out. But while that measure was on the ballot, the Republicans in their infinite wisdom decided we're not going to say a word about this. We're not going to tell people how dangerous it is. We're not going to put a single argument in the voters pamphlet explaining to folks no. What they stand to lose if the minority loses the one tool it has to keep from being steamrolled by the left. And their explanation was, well, we're concentrating our, our campaigns because we're going to take over. And surprisingly, they didn't take over. But the real reason they didn't fight it is because they supported it. Because now they have an excuse for not walking out. In the past, it was easy to identify the fact that they were just spineless cowards and and actually got paid off to the tune of $2 million per House rep and $4 million per senator. But now they can say, hey, sorry, there's nothing we can do. You know, as you continue to get abused and molested by the Democrats, we got to sit here and take it because that's how they roll. And now to go from that absurdity to the gun measure that just uh, passed, we can tell. I'm, they're still counting votes as we record this. But well, I think so you, you had mentioned that even if you bring this, you know, bring legal uh, fight to bear on this, you still have to pay not only for your part of the law, you know, the, uh, the I'm sorry, the lawsuit, you don't you not only have to bring your part in the lawsuit, you have to pay for that. You have to pay for the other side. Is that true? Right. That's exactly right. Because, you know, we get to pay for the state's lawyers. And of course, this, the state will defend this. The, the, the attorney general in the state will not defend an Oregon law she doesn't like, although that's her obligation. But of course, she'll defend this, which means that the, the half the state, the taxpayers who have been screwed by this have to pay the lawyers who will continue to promote it in court. And, you know, we're lock, we're looking at a, a massive amount of money here, of course. Now, you know, recent Supreme Court decisions are certainly in our favor. But what we are seeing is lower courts saying, oh, we don't really care what the Supreme Court said. You know, we don't agree with that decision. I mean, that's exactly what we saw in New York. So, you know, you look at the you look at the vote count in the different parts of the state. And of course, it passed in Portland massively and places like Hood River and a few other places and and, and failed just as massively in the rest of the state, which is rural. But they simply don't have the numbers to compete. So what does this do to Oregon's now famous urban um, rural divide? Well, two counties decided that they were going to throw their lot in with uh, Greater Idaho, so maybe that's where well, we're at. Well, it's been a lot more than two, a lot more than two <laughs> counties, but of course, that's not that's not practical. You know, a lot of counties have said, well, southern southern counties wanted wanted to to form a separate state with northern counties of California, and eastern counties wanted to join Idaho, and that isn't going to happen. Of course, what could happen, and I wish people would expend some of their energy on this is simply electing county commissioners who will stand up and say, no, this isn't going to happen. You're not going to do this crap. And yes, they, they will be sued. I mean, we, we have a, we had two cases here in Oregon, in both Yamhill and Columbia County, where the counties had sanctuary ordinances saying, we won't enforce these gun laws. So in Columbia County, the, the, we, we were sued, and, and the court upheld it. The court upheld the sanctuary. So, of course, the state appealed. 
and the oral arguments for that appeal were just last week. And I have no doubts they're going to overturn it. In Yamhill County, they just overturned it. But every fight is going to come with that kind of liability. And I remember years ago being out in Baker City, which is, you know, far eastern Oregon, real cowboy country, talking to a group of patriots that invited me out there and saying, look, the only hope you have is having your county commissioner stand up and say, we're not going to take this crap anymore. And, you know, people agreed. And as I left, I walked out and walking down the street and this woman followed me out and said, Kevin, I understand what you're saying, but can't the state crush us? And I said, yeah, but they're crushing you now. You Mm -hmm. can't farm, you can't ranch, you can't fish, you can't log, you can't do anything, you can't live off natural resources because the people in Portland think the rest of the state should be a park. And so what do you have to lose? And they're like, oh, we rely on money from the state and we need this and we need that. So fine. Well, you live in servitude then. And, you know, we know that county commissioners can stand up. We've seen it. You know, in Yamhill, in Columbia County, the sanctuary was done by ballot measure. In Yamhill County, it was done by the county commissioners. Well, two of the three who just stood up. And, you know, those two, one of whom, okay, full disclosure, one of them happens to be my sister. That's true. (laughs) But, you you know, they, she and and another county commissioner, Lindsay Lindsay Bershauer, just stood up to the state over and over and over again. And the media there is horrified because guess what? They keep getting reelected, you know, even though Yamhill County has become ground, ground zero for the far left and Hollywood money trying to turn the whole thing into a into a, you know, a leftist gulag. The people of Yamhill County have reelected conservatives. And, yeah, it's tough and painful and, and it wear you down standing mm-hmm. up to the state. But what choice do people have? This gun measure, measure 114, also sets up a de facto gun registry or gun ownership registry, correct? Well, we've always had a gun registry because in order to buy a firearm here, you need to get permission from the state police who record the information about the gun and you. Now, theoretically or legally, they're supposed to destroy that information in five years. But we know for a fact that they don't. But what this does is it doesn't even set up a registry of gun owners. What it sets up is a registry of people who have attempted to get a permit, applied to get a permit, whether they receive it or not. So, of course, who does that list include? That list includes people like rape and domestic violence victims who now are hoping to find some way to protect themselves against their abusers might have to wait years or more to have the ability to do that, but will certainly have their names and home addresses published. And, and, you know, comically, when we were debating, when I was debating this idiot district attorney from Deschutes County, he said, well, (laughs) you know, there are systems in place for people to hide their identity. Well, that's true. But you have to go through this massive system to do it. It's not like that's the default. And what he didn't mention, because he clearly is a moron, is that in Oregon, if your identity is hidden because you are part of the address confidentiality program, you're not allowed to buy a gun anyway. Really. Because federal law requires in order to purchase a firearm, that you have government-issued ID with your home address on it. The people in this program have ID that doesn't have their home address on it. They have a post office box that's administered by the Department of Justice. So the most vulnerable people in this state are denied the ability to protect themselves. The same is true for people who live in RVs. Now, those people could be filthy rich, but because they don't have a stationary address, they're denied their Second Amendment rights. Hold on. They can vote. They can vote, but they can't because it's a federal law. They can't buy a gun. Ah, interesting. Huh. And of course, neither can homeless people. Now, that might sound funny because, you know, in Portland, most homeless people are serious junkies. Right. But there are people who don't have who don't have regular addresses who are not junkies, who just have bad circumstances. Mm-hmm. And they're not allowed to buy firearms either. I don't understand that. I know that, for example, if you can still vote in a federal election. If there are federal officers on a ballot, you can vote from the park down by the river. Yes, the federal law allows you to vote wherever you say you live, but it does not allow you to purchase a firearm. Well, that doesn't make any sense now, does it? Wow. 
Imagine that. I know. I know, Victoria. Look, the light bulb just went off over your head. Well, listen, Victoria, <laughs> you know, you want to talk about not making sense. I'll give you two words to think about that don't make sense. John Fetterman. Does that make sense? No. Can you make any sense? It is not to me, it's not a surprise that John Fetterman or Tina Kotek, who's responsible for turning Portland into an open air drug toilet would get elected or would get a lot of votes. That doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is that they would get any votes. And so, you know, how do you make sense of that? You know, granted, there's no question there's plenty of voter fraud, but that doesn't account for all of it. You know, some people voted for this. Tina Kotek, new governor of Oregon, personally responsible for the absolute destruction of what once was a pretty quirky little city. And now SWAT cops, I'm not making this up. I know SWAT cops who will not go into Portland without a gun in their lap. It's filthy. It's disgusting. It's a complete disgrace. It's a total failure. And she's the next governor. And now we have a person like John Fetterman who, you know, through no fault of his own, is incapable <laughs> of, of finishing a sentence, but through plenty of fault of his own, had some hideously stupid policies and was a giant failure as, as a person gets becomes a U.S. senator. How can you possibly explain that? And then to top it off, you have sock puppets on national TV shows seriously promoting him as a presidential candidate, which under the circumstances we have now actually isn't that far-fetched. But how do you make any sense of that? I, because I certainly can't. Got nothing. Well, thank you <laughs> so much, Kevin Starrett. I appreciate you coming on the Adult in the Room podcast. And I'm sorry that the news isn't better. And uh, stand by to stand by. We'll just um, hope that maybe some of those votes go your way. And if you didn't think that was bad enough, I mean, we had some laughs, but what are you going to do? You got to laugh because you're going to cry if you don't laugh. It's so outrageous what's going on. So, but if you're not annoyed enough, I really wanted you to hear what Bill Kirk had to say. He's an attorney with Washington Gun Law. That is where you find him on YouTube. He does many excellent videos and he's really rocking and rolling with that now. It's really starting to hit. And so he's got several videos on this awful Measure 114 out of Oregon. So you go watch them. But before you do, listen to my conversation with Bill Kirk of Washington Gun Law on the Adult in the Room podcast. So you say in a recent one of your fantastic videos on Washington Gun Law page that you have on YouTube that Measure 114 renders the Second Amendment superfluous. Superfluous. Mm -hmm. I, I think I said that right. At least superfluous. One of those times. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what does that mean? Well, it just means it's meaningless. It has no meaning anymore because what the uh, folks in Oregon have done to themselves has placed themselves in a unique position where they must get a privilege granted to them by their state government before they can exercise a constitutional right. How does this differ in any way from, let's say, a permit for a parade for people who want to do a First Amendment event? Is there even any connection whatsoever? Any no, no. There's, here, here's the situation is, OK, when we're when we're talking about a First Amendment event, you remember that there are some limited restrictions allowed to the First Amendment. It's called time, place and manner. And there's only about 100 Supreme Court cases on point. However, when we take a look at what restrictions are allowed on our Second Amendment rights, especially in light of the most recent Supreme Court cases such as New York Pistol and Rifle Association v. Bruin, we do not tolerate those sorts of types of restrictions on our Second Amendment rights. And what I have said to the folks in Oregon is, is if you have to go demonstrate your proficiency, knowledge, and your good character before you can go exercise your Second Amendment right, what prevents the state of Oregon from, for example, requiring you to do a political litmus test before you exercise your right to vote? or having to do a religious litmus test before you get to pick what church you go to on Sunday. We do not need government's permission before we exercise our God-given rights. And unfortunately, the people who drafted ballot measure 114 in Oregon didn't get that memo. Well, they didn't get the memo because they didn't want to 
the memo. They didn't want to read it. They didn't want to digest it. They just wanted to spew out what they have in their their bag of fondest wishes and decided that, well, let's just give it a shot, throw it up against the wall, and then let's make them fight their way out of it, which is essentially well, what that's they're ex- doing. Ex- and you're seeing this in other jurisdictions. You see this in New York State. You see this in New Jersey now. They both got re- really smacked down by this Bruin opinion on their concealed carry laws. And and this is the same political movement that constantly screams for the rule of law, the rule of law. And, and then once the rule of law is announced by the United States Supreme Court, the ultimate authority on the rule of law in our country, they write legislation that they know is directly violative of that rule of law. Anyone who wrote ballot measure 114 and read the Bruin opinion um, you cannot reconcile what the court requires of government and what was written here. It is irreconcilable. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that uh, it requires, according to the backers of Measure 114, is that it will require a, a permit to purchase a firearm, which is hilarious because actually um, you have to go through hoops in order to get that permit to purchase a firearm. And you might have to own a gun before you can get the permit to purchase a firearm. That's exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, require background checks on all purchases, which uh, closing a dangerous loophole is what they say. Um, uh, require fingerprinting for verification purposes, which don't they already do that? And uh, safety training to enable responsible use, which may or may never happen whatsoever. And there's no way to pay for it. These are the things that they've stuck in this uh, uh, colossal poison pen piece of legislation right. that people and, went, and, oh, yeah, okay, well, you say it's okay, so it must be. Sure. And and I think what, what the Oregon voters were sold was two things. They were told that, hey, this is just a little bit of a magazine ban, and we're just going to require some training before individuals go purchase a gun. And if you phrase it in that way, there's a lot of people who aren't really familiar with either firearms or their constitutional rights or how the Constitution works. It sounds like a pretty good idea. The problem with the license thing is this, is that this is not just, oh, you go through a background check. No, this is you have to go through classes that have been approved by law enforcement with instructors that are approved by law enforcement at facilities that are approved by law enforcement. And you must demonstrate your proficiency in the use of a firearm through live demonstration. However, if you look at Oregon's laws on how you can, what constitutes a transfer of a firearm, it's not like somebody can just loan a firearm or the instructor even could loan a firearm to an individual so that they could demonstrate that proficiency. And then, as you also mentioned, there's no funding. Now, when I was doing the research for my YouTube videos, I found out that on these ballot measures, amazingly, the Oregon State Constitution does not require that the drafters come up with a funding thing. So, I mean, if that's not government in a nutshell right there, there you have it. But, but yeah, so you have all of these programs that law enforcement's going to have to approve, sanction, and all of that, and there's not one dime of funding for any of this. And, of course, it's looking like it could be as much as $40 million a year just to stand up the programs that would support this unconstitutional measure that voters have just passed in Oregon. And I I think that's a conservative estimate. Yeah, I think it could be more than that. I mean, anytime you're getting involved, you get multiple government agencies involved on a large scale program, the price tag is going to go up very quick. One of the things that is so galling to me about this law that has been passed is that people now are forced to go to their government hat in hand, a serf to his king to say, well, uh, may I have permission to do what God says I can do, which is how we do That's our right. laws here. And it, it That's is exactly right. It is really it's really dangerous. I think if you accede to this, you will set the precedent, if you will, for this state to force people to accede to the government for other things. I, I couldn't agree with you more. These are inalienable rights. Okay, they're referred to as inalienable rights. And if you really want to geek out like we do at Washington Gun Law all the time, these are rights that we were born with. The Constitution merely says government can't take it from us. Um, And the fact that you have to now go get a hall pass from your teacher before you can go exercise your right, because that's essentially what's happening here. And then, of course, there's a multitude of loopholes that the state can use and read the details of the bill. You know, the officer in charge of reading of of issuing the license can easily say, well, I'm going to need more information. 
um, and could yeah. hold up an application in perpetuity. They could take a look at social media. And I think everyone has a story about posting something on social media that could be taken out of context. Is that suddenly um, going to be used as a, a method to keep people from defending themselves because they have, what, uh, conservative messages on their Facebook page or something like that? Yeah. So those are things that have been left un undetailed uh, in this bill. Well, they're all, it's all right there. The devil is in the details. All of this information and all the videos that I've done on my channel, I, there's only one piece of written material that I've used for my resource, and that's the actual bill itself. Right. I quote the actual language right out of it. This right. is a, a horrible piece of legislation. <laughs> so what are the chances of defeating this in court, and how long do you think it would take? The chances, if, if any court were to properly apply the standards set forth in the, both the Second Amendment as well as announced in the Bruin case, um, and taking a look at what some of the facts were in the Bruin case, which was New York had this whole scheme where you had to get the state's permission before you could go get a concealed carry license and you had to show that you were of good moral character and all these other things. And, and, and the court struck it down saying it, you don't have to first be granted a privilege before you exercise a right. So Bruin is basically directly on point. How long does it take? That is anybody's guess. But like, for example, Washington State's magazine ban, which was challenged almost the minute it became law, we're just having our first motion for a temporary injunction on that on November 23rd on the case that's in the eastern Washington. So these things move at a glacial pace sometimes. And in the meantime, the Oregon citizens are going to have to suffer through this. And the magazine ban, for example, uh, basically outlaws all long guns, including shotguns. Well, so the magazine ban in Oregon is a little different than Washington. I actually have a video that's going to drop tomorrow about that. I think it's going to really. No, I mean scare the one in Oregon. No, I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the the thing about the one in Oregon that everyone needs to be aware of is, unlike in Washington, where any magazine that I own prior to the implementation of the law, I can still carry, use however I see fit. In Oregon, once this law becomes uh, effective, you may have a high capacity magazine, but beyond possessing it at your home there really is no other place you get to possess it. You don't get to use it in your everyday carry firearm. They call it a grandfathering provision, but really it's just an anti-seizure provision is all it is. You're right. But you also, when you are confronted by a police officer, an ATF guy, have to prove that you had it before this law went into effect and which puts the burden on the individual, right. the defendant right. in this case. Because, because ballot measure 114 does not call it an exception to the law. They call it an affirmative defense. And let us not forget that when a defendant has an affirmative defense, they initially have the burden of proof to establish it. So the state of Oregon is placing the onus on its citizens to prove the lawfulness of their conduct. And that is backwards in multiple different ways. Yeah. So now in terms of this, uh, the, uh, the ban on the, or certain constraints on uh, the uh, magazines and that sort of thing, uh, Kevin Sterrett from Oregon Firearms tells me that that essentially disallows the use of your, your shotguns because of certain ways that people use them. There are certain models of firearms when you take a look at how the state of Oregon is defining high capacity magazines and all the tubular magazines that could be attached yeah. to the firearm that's actually part of the firearm. There is no doubt that there are some fire, some firearms that are going to be deemed unlawful just by the implementation of a magazine ban. And that gets us full circle back to the Bruin case and what Justice Thomas said, which is the Second Amendment protects the types of firearms that are in common use today for self-defense and other purposes. And so these are firearms that thousands of Oregon residents lawfully own, responsibly use, and they should not be precluded from that. Yeah. So um, this is wholly, without doubt, unconstitutional it's unconstitutional and against the oregon on multiple levels right yeah. yeah yeah so so i mean one would assume that one would ask for a an injunction right away an emergency injunction would such a thing be in the offing do you know I, I, I am assuming that there are some very talented lawyers at the state in the state of Oregon that have are probably already been drafting their pleadings. I think the polling on this always showed that it was it was polling ahead, um, and it's one of the few polls that actually was fairly accurate. If you look at the polling on this and you look at the vote total, it was a fairly accurate 
toll. So I have no doubt in my mind that the lawsuits are going to be dropping any day now. I have no doubt that they will include motions for a temporary injunction. I'm going to be having a conversation with an organization here in Washington State called the Silent Majority Foundation, who was very influential in uh, challenging a lot of Governor Inslee's uh, COVID orders and are now challenging Washington State's magazine ban. They have some lawyers in the state of Oregon, so we're going to be trying to coordinate some efforts ourselves. And uh, I'm sure the Gun Owners of America, the Firearms Policy Coalition, and the Second Amendment Foundation, mm -hmm. uh, three warrior organizations, will be jumping in also to help uh, help win back the constitutional rights of Oregon citizens. I couldn't help but notice that the National Rifle Association, which runs some of the finest places where one could go and learn how to use a firearm, was specifically excluded from being allowed to teach people how to fire weapons in this bill. And I'm sure that that was not an oversight. That was a feature. Not it's a not an oversight. There's not. It's not an oversight. And and while the NRA could be a whole separate conversation, that oh, we could I know, have I know, at great length on <laughs> the bottom line is, the, but the bottom line is the NRA instructors are all excellent. Yes. Okay. Every NRA instructor I've ever met is an excellent firearms instructor. They do an excellent job of training those that train us. And so the fact that that was excluded, I, I get there's other issues with NRA, but when it comes to the instructors, there should be zero issues with that. I've never heard of an issue with an NRA instructor. Finally, have you ever heard of the Socialist Rifle Association? Because they're quoted in an Associated Press story about Measure 114. And I, I thought, oh, what is this? This is just an adjunct to the the uh what is it john brown gun association or what have uh -huh. you no i That's... have not heard of them who is the socialist uh, who is the socialist <laughs> rifle association i've never heard of them either i think they just made it made it up opponents says the ap including the left-wing socialist rifle association say this measure 114 would infringe on constitutionally protected rights and could reduce gun access of marginalized communities and people of color if law enforcement agencies are the arbiters of the permitting process. Absolutely right. They are absolutely right. And here's the thing. We do not know what the cost of this program, this mandatory training is going to be. They're going to have to fund it some way. So guess what the best revenue stream can be? And so what are we doing to people um, in underprivileged communities who candidly live in neighborhoods where the need to protect themselves is probably far greater. What do we do? What do we do for the woman who's finally got herself out of that toxic relationship and the ex is stalking her and the kids and, you know, she lives in Multnomah County and Portland PD doesn't have time to deal with her because they've been defunded and she needs to protect herself and her family. But she can't now go get the hall pass to go exercise the right because she doesn't have the gun to do the proficiency exam that they're requiring or the money to take the classes. And you see this whole yeah. circular trap that the state of Oregon sets for people and 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 those that propose this legislation claim that they're looking out for these demographic groups and yet they draft legislation like this yeah how bad is this law in terms of the country it is right now and in light of what the supreme court has made very clear this past summer it is absolutely the worst piece of gun legislation i've seen passed in the last five years um, it is literally a, a thumbing of the nose to the United States Supreme Court and to the citizens of Oregon. And intentionally so, right? And intentionally so. And and I, I do think that House Resolution 1808, which is kicking around in the United States Congress right now, is the worst piece of legislation that I've ever read in my life. However, I don't think it really has a chance of making it out of the Senate. Unfortunately for Oregon, uh, this is reality for you now. What What is that? House House, uh, resolution. Oh, House Resolution 1808. Yeah, passed that out of the House of Representatives. That is the assault weapon ban of oh, 2022. Gotcha. And it basically reclassifies damn near every firearm we could possibly own as an assault weapon and therefore bans all of them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. These people. Okay. These people. Yeah, I know. That's uh, amazing. When we, in light of the fact that we have record high violent crime rates in all along the West Coast, West Coast, and indeed other places in the country, and they try to do what they can to defund the police, reduce the numbers, and then leave us to the whims and vicissitudes of all these thugs who want whatever it is we have. And we it's right. And then you ourselves. take a look when you 
Yeah, and then you look at the you look at the, how this ballot measure passed, and and much like I have to deal with here in Washington State, where there's three very blue counties and the rest of the state isn't, they dominated the vote. And so here's people in Multnomah County, Portland, Oregon, used to be one of the greatest cities in the United States, is no more. Um, the the amount of crime that they are dealing with around there is just alarming, and yet these people passed this measure by a vote of three to one. And I and what I would say to the folks in Multnomah County is how how many more times do you want to keep doubling down on these policies before you realize that the policies are the problem? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bill Kirk, Washington Gun Law, thank you so much for coming on the Adult in the Room podcast. I mean, honestly, this is deeply troubling. I'm uh, often, you know, drawn to gun issues to talk about on the program and in my writings over at PJ Media, but this is this is just beyond just beyond how stupid people are just giving away their rights to pretend that they're going to get some benefit out of it my god how in i mean even antifa isn't fall, fallen for this one you know well and it's so bad you have a group on the far left the socialist rifle club saying hey this probably doesn't pass constitutional muster either so yeah. that yeah. gives you at least an indication of how bad this one might really be oh thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate coming on the adult in the room podcast Thank you, Victoria. So now never fear. Next time on the Adult in the Room podcast, we'll try to make it a little bit more upbeat. But you have to know, come on, man. There are some things we really need to talk about, such as how do we move on from here? What are first principles? Upon what do we rely when making decisions in our everyday life? So how do we move on in right and righteousness as we continue. Whew. I mean, it's not, that's no small thing, right? You can get caught up in the little weeds of politics, but ultimately you've got to live your life and you have to live it as virtuously as possible because this constitution, our country was meant for people who have those abilities, who have those values. And we have to live up to that. It's the least we can do. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen. And give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs. And it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed. <laughs>